Would you like to find out how to align your life with God's best? I'm Lisa Pulliam, founder of More To Be and host of this podcast. And I believe that the more we seek God and study his word, the more he'll transform us to become like Jesus and equip us to impact this world with kingdom hope. That's what a life aligned with his best looks like. And that's our mission at More To Be, to become more like Jesus. This episode is sponsored by our More To Be Sisterhood. You can join the sisterhood at academy.moretobe.com and get access to a library of biblically-based resources and coaching opportunities. We are so grateful for our sisters from around the world who make this podcast possible. And now let's jump into this episode of the More To Be podcast and seek God to equip us to think biblically and live transformed to be more like Jesus every day. On today's episode, we have Becky Keefe. She is an author, speaker, and the community manager for Dayspring's Encourage, a widely followed online community of Christian women. She speaks regularly at MOPS groups and at other women's events and released her first book this fall, No Better Mom for the Job, Parenting with Confidence, Even When You Don't Feel Cut Out for It. Becky is a huge fan of Voxer, which you all know, so am I, Sunday naps, and moms in the thick of it. She and her husband, Chris, have been married for 14 years and enjoy hiking sunny trails with her three spirited sons. Welcome, Becky, to the More To Be podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here with you today. I am glad that you are here too. And as we were talking just before we got on, our, our, we had the privilege of face-to-face -face connection at Declare, the Declare conference. How many years ago would that have that been? That was, it'll be six summers ago. I believe that was Declare 2014, which is just so wild to me that it's been that long. That is crazy. It's been that long. I'm amazing. So I'm glad that we met then and I'm glad that we can connect now. Uh, for those of us, uh, those listening, we're in the middle of COVID. So you have snuck into your boy's room to do this podcast. <laughs> yes, I have. I was telling Lisa that my desk is in our kitchen. Uh, sandwich between our back door and the dishwasher and the laundry room. It's not a very quiet place. And so I kicked the kids into the living room and I am here in their bedroom trying to steal away a quiet moment. So if you are listening and you too are trying to steal away a quiet moment, just know that we are with you. Yeah, absolutely. We, I'm in my she shed, you know, which has been a lovely gift that ah. I've been able to work in the last couple of years and with everybody home. So my entire family is now home. So there's five in the house and I'm out here. And every day I come in, they're like, it is so good that you do not have to work inside this house, mom, because they don't have to walk around on tiptoes if I'm yeah. recording or teaching or working with a client. And, and they're like, that, that sheds a lifesaver. So it's so interesting how it's not like with older kids, mm -hmm. it's not just the impact that they have on me, but it's the impact that I have on them. It's sort of an interesting dynamic. Yeah, for sure. You are yeah. living my dream. And actually, as we go, we go on uh, family walks every morning because all we're all home now too. Yeah. Um, and we like looking at you know property and houses and dreaming and things like that. And even my seven year old was like, "Mom, if I could, I would buy you that house and I would build you a little cabin in the back for you to go and write." And I was Aww, like, so "Yes, sweet. please, one day." I know. Maybe. I know. But for now, I'm grateful that we're all together and I have some place to come and close the door and spend oh, this time no. with you. It, it is a good thing. And we've actually tossed the idea of moving uh, because the house is gets to be really squishy with all of us in it. And every time we think about it, they're like, well, we're, are we taking the shed with us? We can't move if we don't have a shed for you. And I was like, 
oh, maybe we should just figure out how to live smaller and simpler in the space that we have. So yeah, it's always a challenge. So I would love for you to kind of share with our listeners what led you to write this book about motherhood and, and go as far back as you need to go to tell us your story. Okay. Um, so like you mentioned in the intro, I have what we call my three spirited sons. Anyone else listening have spirited children? Yes. Uh, know that I am with you. Um, so I always knew that I, I wanted to be a mom, not in like a, I was so excited for kind of way, but like, that's how life goes, right? Like if you're fortunate to get married and I knew eventually I'd want to have a family. And so when that time finally came, um, our firstborn was, was Noah. And I went from working full-time at home or full-time out of the house to working part-time from home and having this little guy. And I can't remember exactly when the thought first entered my mind, you know, how motherhood makes the details fuzzy and years um, of sleep deprivation. Yes. But I, he was somewhere as a young toddler. And I remember this, this thought sneaking in and it was this, there's something wrong with my child or there's something wrong with me but either way, we're not a match mm. because I had this little boy who I loved with my whole heart. And yet I, I didn't understand him. His nickname was nonstop Noah. No. <laughs> he had two modes sleeping, which he didn't do much of and running or mm. a combination of running and climbing. And he just was beyond active. And, and I grew up with mostly my mom and two older sisters and so to go, and I was even, as a young kid, I was even a tomboy. Um, I even tell a story in the book about when I was in first grade and my best friend was a boy named Jack and we would climb trees. And so it's not like I am, you know, was like a super girly girl. And yet this little boy was all boy and all tiny testosterone. And I didn't understand him or know really how to, how to mother him. And so this kind of banner of inadequacy kind of settled over my heart. And then 19 short months later, we had our second son. And then 22 short months after that, our third crashed onto the scene. And so suddenly I had a three-year-old, a not yet two-year-old, and a baby. Oh, and Lord. I was so grateful. And yet, to be honest, Lisa, I was so overwhelmed. Oh, yeah. I felt so not cut out for it. And not just motherhood in general, but not cut out for my particular children yep. so much so that I, I, I even asked God, like, Lord, did you make a mistake? Oh yeah. Making me the mom of my kids. And I really felt like in so many, just at the end of my rope kind of moments that someone else would do a better job in my shoes. I really, I really believe that someone else could be more patient. Someone else could get this child to stay in bed. Someone else could get this, get these kids to, um, to not only behave the way I wanted them to, but also to flourish in a way that I just felt like I was falling short. And so no better mom for the job, parenting with confidence, even when you don't feel cut out for it, is my story and what I have learned and what I has resonated as I've spoken and written to women over the last um, six, seven years about learning and coming to, to really believe and embrace that God did not make me make a mistake in making me the mom of my exact kids. Um, mm. And really my inadequacy and my insecurities wasn't a condemnation on my mothering. It was an invitation from God 
to come and walk with me in the thick of it and learn to rely on his strength, his wisdom, his patience in ways that I never had before, even though I had been a Christian for 25 years at that time. Um, and so I really wrote the book that I longed for, that I needed Ooh. as a young mom in the thick of it. And now my kids are 11, almost 10, almost eight. Um, and I'll tell you, I still need this. Like yes. women quote my book on Instagram. I'm like, oh, <laughs> thank you. Like, not thank you for sharing it, but thank you. Like I needed to remember that truth today. And so I share lots of stories of those wild little years, but I have moms who have teenagers or even empty nesters and are stepping into the grandparent years and saying like the things, it's not just a book about raising littles. It's a book about walking intimately with Jesus and learning that I parenting with confidence doesn't mean perfect parenting, but believing and embracing that whether you came to motherhood by birth or adoption or fostering mm -hmm. that, that God has a plan and a purpose for your motherhood and he's faithful to walk with us in it. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. And it's, it's true, right? You know, so I'm probably 10 years ahead of you on this okay. journey. My oldest is 20, okay. literally should be graduating from college on Sunday and mm. we'll, we're going to come up with some sort of celebration for her at home. And then my second is 18 and then the twins are 14. And okay. yep. my, my 18 year old is the one that made me feel like I was, you know, wondered, am I really the best men, mom for the job? I mean, mm. there were days with her that I was like, Lord, we just need to make it until graduation. Like I, I, all I'm responsible for is until she gets to 18. And in that case, actually it was 17 because she graduated when she was 17. So I was like, I just need to make it until she can graduate and be out of the house mm. and then we will be fine. And I lived with that kind of mindset of, of just like as a survivor Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the Lord has really shown me like, no, that wasn't exactly the best, uh, plan of action because motherhood goes beyond a year. Like right. she's still my daughter and she needs me in a different way. And sometimes those meeting those needs are really, really difficult because there's this dance of like independence mm -hmm. and, and transition of relationship. Like, moving from mom to mentor to maybe friend like mm -hmm. and it's it's just as easy now for me to fall into that mindset of she probably needs somebody else more than she needs me mm -hmm. right and then the yeah. role what's the role that i am to fill in their lives and it's just, it's an right. interesting dynamic, no matter their ages is, you know, where, where I'm going with that. Right. And it makes sense because I feel like every time our kids go through a new season, we are going through a new season. Like, yes. you know, I have my oldest will, I can't believe it. He'll start middle school next year. Um, and I thought that I would always be a mom of littles. And now I'm like, I've, I've never been a mom of a middle schooler. Like as he yeah. is, you know, learning and growing and changing. So am I going to have to learn and grow and change as his mom. And so I think that that's why, you know, the things I talk about in the book of, of learning to parent with confidence, it's not a, it's not a one and done kind of thing. Mm -mm. <laughs> it's a mm -mm. over and over, Jesus, help me in this moment. Let me trust you. Let me receive from you again and again and again, kind of thing. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. Yeah. And it's the more I learn about the brain, I'm going through uh, trauma focused equine assisted therapy coaching oh, wow. training, which is fascinating. 
Um, and you know, just yesterday on a on a training call, the brain, the teenage brain, their limbic system is developing at a rapid rate during mm. that period of time. And the limbic is emotions and its relationship. Mm. And so like we might look at, I could look at my 14 year old right now and he's like becoming a man. Like he is now like two to three inches taller than me. And the other day my husband wasn't home and I heard this voice. I was like, what dude's in my house right now? And I was like, oh, it's my son. It's, it's your dude. dude. It's my son who's now a man. You know, he's becoming a man. But his, so there's this like strange dance with our older children of their bodies look adult-like, but their brains are still mm -hmm. in major developmental mode and require that mothering pivot mm. and, and grace yeah. and, and compassion and empathy and all these things. It was just, it was sobering to remember that they're still in progress. Even if the outside looks like the work is coming to completion, they're a long way from that. Just like we are a long way from that in our own spiritual journeys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to be knocking on your door or on your Voxer um, <laughs> in a few years when I have some more teenagers and you can remind me of this. I will remind you to be patient. I, I mean, we've been joking for a long time that their prefrontal cortex is not fully developed until they're 21. And in some cases, studies have stayed till 24. So like, that's like their thinking ability that, you know, and I, but, but to even drill it back or, or peel it back, I should say, and think their, their emotions are not yet fully developed. And so their mm. reactions to things are going mm. to seem disproportionate to the situations that they're walking through. And, you know, are we going to act as an adolescent <laughs> in response mm -hmm. to that, which I raise my hand often, I feel like I do, or are we going to be able to respond as a mom as perspective of, mm -hmm. you know, this is a role that God has appointed me to fill in their life. And he's equipped me for that role, no matter what I feel right now. Yeah. Yeah. So out of all the chapters in the book, I, I love, I love the titles of your chapters because they, to me, it feels like they, they tap into mindsets that mm. we get caught up in. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read a couple of the chapter titles, but which I want to know which one is your favorite chapter. Okay. So, so uh, we have, you don't seem happy anymore. Stop the crazy making. I just want one real friend. It's okay to need your village. Why every mom deserves a cape. Uh, you're watching me run across the room right now with my cape on. Uh, when the people you love the most bring out your worst, you can do this. You are doing this. Perspective check. Check. Is this heart on? The thing you really need more than caffeine and sleep and the beauty of being handpicked. What's your favorite? Oh, that's like the impossible question because even like I have this big smile on my face now, even just you rereading, reading those titles because I'm like remembering all the stories and all the writing and I don't know, I can't, I can't choose just one. Um, I mean, what I love about you just don't seem happy anymore. That's really the story of coming, coming to terms, owning that I was really discontent and in a lot mm -hmm. of ways ungrateful in in my life and my motherhood and how God really stepped in and rescued me from that negative cycle and mindset. Um, 
I love uh, why every mom deserves a cape because I love championing women. And that starts in a lot of ways with, with ourselves, like, mm -hmm. and speaking to ourselves the way that we would to a friend. And, and there I talk about the power of celebrating and naming our unique mom strengths. And mm. so if you're in a place of, like I was, of feeling like there's another mom who do a better job of my shoes, well, maybe you need to spend some time identifying what you actually do well mm -hmm. as a mom. Um, and then it's just the raw and real of it. You mentioned when the people you love the most to bring out your worst. Yes, right. I didn't know I struggled with anger until I became a mom. And there's mm. so much shame and guilt around that. And yet, and I'm very, I'm very raw, I'm very real. You get the real, yeah. the real deal in that chapter of, of, of things that I've said and, and did. And yet God is faithful. And mm. I feel like I'm for sure still in, in progress, in process, mm. making progress in this area. Um, but I felt like I, it was inevitable. I was going to be yeah. an angry mom because I felt out of control and I couldn't control these three spirited boys. Um, and that's not, that's not how God wants the story to go. Like he met me in that place. Mm. He took my shame out of the darkness of isolation and brought it into the light of shared experience as I was willing to be vulnerable with friends. And mm. so I don't know. I, I love it all. Is that, is that weird to say about my own book? But it just, I'm so passionate about this message and, and already seeing how women are uh, experiencing fresh hope, fresh joy, a new kind of freedom in their mothering, mm -hmm. not because they're trying harder or just doing more, but because they are acknowledging who God has made them, who God has made their children, and who he is and how he walks with us. Mm -hmm. Good. I can relate on the anger piece of it. Mm. I knew I was angry before. I became a mom. I mean, yeah. I grew up in an abusive home. So uh, I, there were there were seasons in which my anger was so out of control, even before I got married, that I found myself in counseling to figure out what mm -hmm. was I going to do with it. Mm -hmm. But it was the anger that appeared when my kids were about your kid's age that, that really like was a, a major problem. And the shame and the guilt of that, mm -hmm. like how could I be a Christian mom and struggle with this level of anger? And, and for me, the way out of that was um, going to counseling mm -hmm. and finding out that it was PTSD that was being triggered by the ages of my kids. Mm -hmm. And through the counseling, I was able to begin that healing process and realize I needed to forgive my parents and I needed to receive God's forgiveness for, for the things that I had said and done over my lifetime that I was carrying shame and guilt about. Yeah. And then learning how to walk in a renewed mind. So taking mm -hmm. captive every thought and having it transformed by the truth. So the second Corinthians 10, five passage in the Romans 12, two, became so critical. And yet it was a long journey. Like it was a good three or four years before I started to see the habit of anger mm -hmm. die down mm -hmm. and, and, you know, have like this victory over it. But what I've discovered through this training that I'm going through is that what worked was not just the Holy Spirit alive and active in me, but was the power of counseling and the support of friends. I know you write about that in this mm -hmm. book, this need that we need our people. 
because when our when we're in relationship with one another the areas of our brain that enable us to think clearly about scripture the the neocortex is activated through relationship mm. and so without that relationship connection we can stay stuck in that brainstem in that fight flight or freeze response yeah so it's just been so neat to be able to look back and see the the tools that god used to transform me was was therapy plus people yeah plus the word of god plus the working of the holy spirit that it was it was multifaceted and you know and yet here i i sit and I've had major anger issues again, rise up in my life. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't have believed it if I didn't experience it for myself, but I'm at an age where my hormones are raging like that of a 14 year old. I'm 46 <laughs> and the, the hormones are just out of control. I'm probably going to get like a hundred emails of like what supplements to take to deal with <laughs> it, what oils to rub on my body. <laughs> Trust me, I'm pursuing those options, but, but um, realizing that God's grace is over that mm -hmm. and that my anger is not a, um, it, it is not a life sentence Yeah, right? that, that even God can see us in our most angry place and forgive us and create restoration forward. Uh, it, like I didn't have that sense of his grace and mercy when I was in the thick of it with the littles mm. and just feeling bad about my parenting. Mm -hmm. And now at this age, I can say, no, he's, he's got me there. It's not an excuse mm -hmm. and I have to own it like as fast as I possibly can and confess that. But his, his grace is with me in that suffering and in that struggle of my anger. Yeah. Yeah. And I can relate with, that's so good, Lisa. And I can relate with so much of, of what you shared um, not only about anger, but also about anxiety. I, I touch on it just, just bits in the book and write about it more other places, but, um, I have struggled with anxiety and, and almost exactly what you said. I was like, yes, it was counseling yes. plus friends plus God's word plus gratitude. You know, it was yep. these, it's not anyone listening who feels like whether you're struggling today with anger or inadequacy mm -hmm. or anxiety, and you feel like if I just fill in the blank. If I just prayed more, if I was just mm -hmm. more thankful, like those things are good. Like we, I, I am all about, you know, the yeah. daily practice of giving thanks and yet God cares and knows, I mean, things that I can't even articulate the way that you have Lisa about how our brains work and our hormones. And he knows that we need support from all these different levels. Yeah. And so just encourage someone that you're don't heap on more shame because you feel like you should be able to to quick fix yourself in whatever area you might be struggling in today. Yeah. No, like God is so tender and gentle. And for me, like with anxiety, like mm -hmm. I didn't, I felt like, yeah, if I, if I'm, I really trust God, then shouldn't I be able just to get over this? Mm -mm. No, no, I couldn't. I had generalized anxiety disorder and I needed to go to therapy and I needed to uncover for myself that I had PTSD as well. And mm -hmm. I didn't even understand at the time that I was like, well, I haven't, I didn't grow up in an abusive home. Like I haven't suffered mm -hmm. what I thought in my mind was trauma, but I learned through that, ex that counseling that there are traumas with capital T's that we think yeah. of like combat and, and abuse. And then there's lots of traumas that we go through with, with small T's. And there's lots of things about growing up with 
you know, a broken home and a divorced family and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. my own, my own sin and choices that were, that were little T traumas. And yeah. that was influencing how I was responding to my kids, to my husband, all sorts yeah. of things. And so I'm so grateful that God doesn't expect us to quick fix ourselves, that he right. uses all types of things, community, friendships, counseling included. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so important. And I like how you described it, the big T's versus the little T's, you know, trauma is how our body responds to the threat of harm. Mm. And from person to person, that experience is going to look different. So mm -hmm. there are going to be people that process COVID as a major trauma, big T, mm -hmm. and there are going to be people that it's going to be barely a blip on their radar. Mm. And how that trauma impacts this generation is going to have an impact on the next generation, right? Like, so yeah. I could see coming out of these experiences, um, certain homes will never run out of, you know, 10 rolls of toilet paper. There will always be a stock of 10 mm -hmm. rolls of toilet paper. And, and that 12-year-old daughter in her adult home will have always 10 rolls of toilet paper on the shelf. Yep. And maybe we'll not even be able to explain it or she'll explain it to her daughter. And in a generation from now, that granddaughter is going to say, I don't know why my mom had always this much toilet paper in the house, but it was something. And so that's just what she's going to do, right? Like we, we, we carry out what we have been taught, mm -hmm. even if it's not been part of our experience. And so having that community which I know is what Encourage is all about, having yeah. that community of people around to process life with is part of God's healing design for us. We're not supposed to do it alone. No. And just muscle up our faith. And I feel like your book in a broad way helps mamas understand that this isn't their solo struggle. Mm. Yeah, that they that they need each other. So what would you say, um, as I'm looking at the time here, what would you say to the mom who's just feeling the subtitle, not cut out for it? What's the next thing she should do after she stops listening right now? Hmm. There's so many things I want to tell her. Um, the first thing I want you to know if you're feeling not cut out for it is that that you're not alone that you're normal. And I'll kind of repeat what I said at the beginning is that your feeling of not cut out for it. It's not a condemnation on your motherhood. It's actually an indication that you care so much that you have the right love and de determination and commitment to your children, your motherhood. And it's God's invitation to you to come and rely on his strength. Mm. And so I would, um, there's a, I talk about it. Each chapter ends with one simple step and one powerful prayer, because I think that it can feel overwhelming. Like what, what do I do next? And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, one of those simple steps is to start writing down three things every day that you're grateful for right now in the season of motherhood, not how you wish your mothering would be, but right now how it is. And then I'd encourage you to write down three things that are your strengths as a mom. Mm -hmm. We are so keenly aware of our weaknesses as women and they can be super simple things. Like maybe you are really good at opening the pantry and seeing what's there and concocting a delicious meal from four ingredients. Maybe you are good at French braiding your daughter's hair in a soothing way that calms her right down. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe you are good at 
you know, building Legos or living room forts or late night movies with your teenager, whatever it is, write down those three things and, and, um, and see that that those are real strengths and that God did not make a mistake in making you the mom of your kids and that he's using those things simple as they are, um, Mm. right where you are. That's, that's good. Those are good practical steps. And then I know we've got scripture Yes. that I have a feeling why you chose the scripture because you've used the word gratitude mm. so many times. And so you had shared with me that you wanted to look at uh, Matthew chapter 14 uh, in the, the feeding of the 5,000. So mm-hmm. do you have it in front of you that you want to go ahead and read the passage? The, I the do. You want? Sure. Yeah. So this is from Matthew chapter 14. Um, the story of feeding the 5,000, you might be familiar with it. It actually appears in all four of the gospels, which I think is really telling about right. how important it is. Um, but this one comes from Matthew 14 and starting in verse 13. Well, how, how much do you want me to read, Lisa? Like the whole passage or just a couple of verses? Uh, go from 13. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah go, thir- go, go 13 to 21. I like context. Okay, okay perfect. Me too. Um, it says this, when Jesus heard what had happened and what happened was, is that John the Baptist, his cousin and forerunner of ministry was beheaded, his dear friend. So he heard this tragic news. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and Mm -hmm. healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, Jesus said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks mm. and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Love this passage for like a thousand reasons. I know, me too. I like okay. find myself teaching on it every talk I give regardless because it just is, uh, it's so meaningful to me. So tell um, us why. What, what, yeah. what, what's the relevancy of this passage for you and your motherhood? So the Lord brought this passage to mind through a friend. So again, talking about how we need our friends. There was one night a few years ago and I just was, I was done. I just was at the end of my rope and it wasn't just my kids. I just felt overwhelmed by life. At the time I was in graduate school, I had taken on more responsibilities with Encourage, with my job. And I just felt like I I wasn't doing anything well. And I remember my husband (laughs) was delayed at work and he like barely walked through the door and I was like, kids are in bed, their teeth are brushed, I'm going on a walk. And he was like, okay. Poor guy didn't even like have a chance to take a breath. And I just felt so done. And so I just knew I need some fresh air and I'm walking around my neighborhood and I'm just pouring my heart out to the Lord in prayer. I just felt so tangled. And even after praying, I still just felt like a mess. And so Voxer, I Vox, I sent a message to my friend, Elise, um, who actually was there and who I met for the first time at Declare. This is oh, also, interesting. This is also, 
so full circle. Anyhow, Elise at the time had six kids, uh, five kids, six kids, now she has seven, and she runs a business and and I knew, I was like, if anyone knows what to do, it's Elise. And so I left her this box and I begged out this question. I said, Elise, what do you do when what you have to give is not enough for what is needed? Because mm -hmm. that's how I felt. I felt like I'm giving everything I have and yet it's falling short. It's falling short in my motherhood. It's falling short in my ministry, in my location, in my calling. I want to be faithful, but I just feel like what I have to give is not enough for what is needed. And I was hoping that she would box me back with some advice. Maybe she could tell me how to manage my time better or how to get my kids to behave. Um, and often, and she's in Texas and I'm here in California and with like nine kids between us, we usually, you know, it takes a while to message back and forth, but by God's grace that night, she was listening and she messaged me right back. And she said, Becky, remember the story of the five loaves and two fish. Remember how God, can turn what is not enough into more than enough. Mm. And so that night I walked home and I'll be honest with you. I was like, um, I kind of would have preferred the advice. I yeah. don't really, I don't really understand how this is applicable to my life right now. I was like, I've seen it on flannel grabs, loaves, fishes, check, miracle, multiplication. I got it. So the next day I woke up and I felt like I was already drowning before the day even began. You ever feel that way before the oh, day even starts? You already feel like you're behind, that you're drowning. And so I got my kids off to school. My littlest was home, but it was his morning for preschool. And I just felt like the Lord was like saying, Becky, like you need to learn this lesson again. And so as I opened up God's word and read what I just read to you for the, you know, again, I saw it in a whole new way. And it was like, the Lord was just like in my digi kitchen at my messy desk with the dishes behind me. Like he just like lifted my chin and just said, Becky, see me, see mm -hmm. how I can turn a total lack into total satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it starts by giving thanks for what you already have. Mm -hmm. Jesus looked up to heaven and he gave thanks for what was not enough. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like in that moment, in my motherhood, in my work, it wasn't, I was so fixed in my mind on what I lacked. I need more time, mostly. I need more energy. I need more creativity. I need more clarity, more, more, more. And yet he was saying, Becky, give thanks for what I've, what I've already given you. This mm -hmm. little bit amount of time to be intentional with your kids, this little amount of time to answer one thoughtful email. And so just through that, he, God showed me that our lack is not a liability. Oh, that's good. Our lack is not your lack today. You, my listener friend, your lack is not a liability. It's an opportunity to experience God's power in a way that you could not, would not, if you relied on your own strength and provision. Mm -hmm. So good. So and good. That, that is why I love this story. Yeah. So, and I, I have, you know, the Lord has met me in that place, speaking that to me time and time again, like, give thanks. I had an entire year that was just focused on gratitude and, and being grateful for what that he, what he already gave us. The thing that he highlighted to me most recently from this passage, um, two things uh, I keep on seeing again and again, that what I think is one of the primary attributes of Jesus is compassion. Mm, when yeah. he sees he has compassion, it says it over and over and over again throughout the gospels. And so, you know, even backing up before we even ask for something from mm -hmm. him in our not enough to know that we're approaching Jesus who already has compassion on us. 
Mm-hmm. That's a completely different mindset to see Jesus as, as saying, I see you, I see the struggle and I'm not judging you. I'm not shaming you. I'm not condemning you. I'm having compassion on you because I recognize your struggle and I recognize your suffering. And then the other thing that stuck out to me about this passage most recently is the first thing he did was command them to sit down Hmm. before he even took the loaves and the fishes and giving the blessing. He said, sit down. And I just like, I just love it. Cause sometimes I, when I hear the voice of God, he speaks to me in like no nonsense, like girlfriend down, like (laughs) enough, enough with you, you know? And, And I, I just imagine that sitting down accomplished so many things. Like he had their full attention. Mm. They were quieted. Potentially the crowds were potentially organized and then their hands were also free. Mm. If they were sitting down, whatever they brought with them that they were holding, they no longer needed to hold. They could set it down and their hands could be free to Mm. receive the blessing that he was about to distribute. Okay, so you gotta, you gotta say that again. That is so good, Lisa. They their hands were free, so they, to, re- they, to receive. They, to receive. They could let go. We could lay down what we were holding. Yeah. Our burdens, our bushels, our baggage. Right. You know, like you're just a posture of, you know, giving up the posture of the appearance of I've got it all together and I can Mm -hmm. balance it and I'm strength and I'm this and I'm that Mm -hmm. and just sitting down like a child crossing your legs Indian style and have your hands open and say okay bring it on and it's also a posture of of expectation right to be expectant to be expectant that God is in his compassion I love that you pointed out in his compassion he's going to meet us in our time of need I mean That message is like a, a drumbeat all over scripture. That right. God has compassion on his children. And it reminds me of my other favorite words of, that Jesus spoke is when his invitation, come to me, all who are weary yeah. and burdened, and I'll give you rest. And I wonder, you know, was that in his mind or was it in the people's mind? You know, maybe have heard, um, heard that or even if that happened after, I'm not sure yeah. at this moment, but you know, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah. Command, that command to sit, to be still to come, you are weary and burdened, and I will meet you there. Rest, right? And yeah. it, we just recently had on uh, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, and we talked about rest. And the thing that she said that she's been reverberating in my heart is that um, we don't work to rest. We have to work from our place of rest. Hmm. And to, to walk in the, the rest that God has provided first that we may do what it is that he's had us to do. And, you know, in our culture, we're totally twisted that way. So we're running, 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 especially as moms who are working and trying to get it all done. The idea of like to just stop, sit down, rest, and receive this gift that God has for us is, it's just countercultural. And yet if I could go back, if there was one thing I could go back and do differently in my motherhood, it would be to like all the way back to the day Leah was born and have had a Sabbath practice Mm. that existed before her and then was integrated into my motherhood, finding ways to have not only just a set apart day of Sabbath, but also just 
restful creative practices that did not have an agenda. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we, we were creative together, but it was because I was checking off the creativity box on the mom list yeah, as opposed to relishing creativity and rest mm -hmm. with my kids. Yeah. Yeah. And so now I'm trying to model that for them and it's, um, sometimes effective and sometimes not so much because they've got neural pathways that are tracked for overachieving because that's what I modeled for them and now they need to learn it for themselves. Right. But they will, even as they find their own way and make their own choices, yeah. our kids notice. Yeah. I yeah. actually, um, I'm, I'm guessing you're familiar, a book that was transformational for me was um, Rhythms of Rest by Shelley Miller. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and her work through the Sabbath Society and um, I through, through her, I, I came to start to practice Sabbath. And I remember one time over and thinking that my kids didn't really, I mean, even when they were little, I'm like, they don't really notice. They don't really understand that, you know, things that were meaningful to me, like not cooking a big meal, using paper plates, leaving the dishes, like practical ways that I was going to lay down work for the day. And I remember one time my boys, oh, I heard, overheard them bickering and about, about naps and only babies take naps. And I think one of them was probably being unkind to the youngest brother and being like, you're still a baby because you take a nap or whatever. Um, but one of them piped up and said, naps aren't just for babies. Mommy takes a nap every Sunday. Uh -huh. And it's true. Like that's part of my Sabbath practice is just to give my, my physical body that rest. And it's restful for my mind too. And I, I love naps. Um, yeah. And so I, I, that sticks in my heart of the fact that I didn't know that they noticed that rhythm. Yes. You know, and I didn't make them nap. They weren't even doing it with me, mm -hmm. but they just, our kids are, are sponges and even things that we don't think are meaningful. They are over time. Um, yeah. So yeah. That, gives, that, that, gives, that gives me hope. Yeah. They will notice and they notice yeah. our transformation in their time and in their way, which is, True, even when you have adulting children. I, I, I don't know how to describe my children anymore because technically I have one adult. I don't have like all teens at this point. We've gone into a new transition where I have three teens and an adult. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fun, it's fun, it's crazy fun. Well, Becky, I'm so glad that you were here with us today and able to share your story and message of hope. Would you mind telling everybody, one, where they can find you and the book? And then two, would you pray for us in closing? Yes, I would love to. Um, my favorite place to connect is on Instagram. So come and find me on Instagram. I'm just at Becky Keefe. Um, no Better Mom for the Job is available wherever books are sold. You can also find me on my website, beckykeefe.com. Um, and yeah, so let me, uh, let me pray for us. Awesome. Heavenly Father, I thank you you are compassionate. I thank you that you are our provider. I thank you that you are the God who does not make mistakes. And so that means that we can trust that you have given us our exact children um, on purpose for a purpose. And even when we go through seasons where we're struggling with anger or anxiety or inadequacy, we are not alone. Uh, you are fiercely with us in the thick of it. Lord, I just pray today for moms who are feeling um, lonely or unsure. God, this is a, a unique time too, and I, I so desperately want every mom to have that, that life together friend, and I know connection is hard right now, and yet um, it's not impossible with you. And so I just pray that you would just send um, friends and community mm -hmm. and support to 
just gird us up to help us lift our hands, to help us to pray for us when we have no words, um, that there would be no mom who feels alone, but that she would first be aware of your presence. And second, that she would um, cultivate community to reach out for help when she needs it, to take whatever might be strangling her with shame or guilt today and bring it out of the darkness of isolation and be vulnerable and brave and share it so that when it comes into the light, it has less of a hold on us. Mm -hmm. God, thank you um, that you invite us to rest. Thank you that you provide for all of what we need. Thank you that in your eyes, our lack is not a liability. Mm -hmm. Lord, I pray that this day, this week, that you give us eyes to see opportunities where you want to show us your power. You want to show us how you make our not enough into more than enough. And you're just waiting for us to maybe sit down on the grass and open our hands and be expectant to receive what you would have for us. And so Lord, I pray that for myself and for Lisa, for all of our friends listening, that you would give us eyes to see how you want to be our enough and more than enough today in motherhood and in every area of our life. And I pray this in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Becky, for being with us today. Would you like to find out how to align your life with God's best? I'm Lisa Pulliam, founder of More To Be, and host of this podcast. And I believe that the more we seek God and study his word, the more he'll transform us to be like Jesus and equip us to impact this world with kingdom hope. That's what a life aligned with his best looks like. And that is our mission here at More To Be, to become more like Jesus. This episode is sponsored by our More To Be Sisterhood. You can join the sisterhood at academy.moretobe.com and get access to a library of biblically-based resources and coaching opportunities.